Hey guys, we're here at Standout, a podcast on the modern woman. And I'm sitting here today with B. Ackerlund, a totally amazing fashion activist. And what I think is becoming the new definition of a modern woman. Women that are really raw, real, and challenge convention. And I, I told you this yesterday when we met at Stockholm Fashion Week, but I think you were introduced to me two, three years ago in, in Stockholm at a big, cool dinner as a fashion activist. And this word stuck in my mind, and I really loved it, and I haven't heard it before. So I have to explore a little bit, you know, B, how do you stand up? Well, you know, I started my career as a fashion stylist, and I feel like I'm so much more than a stylist because I've feel like I've taken fashion to the next level and I'm on a mission to save fashion and to keep it alive and to keep the younger generation hungry and keep exploring and finding new things and fighting for what I believe is art or fighting for what I think is fashion as opposed to what people are telling me is fashion or what you should be. And so with that said, I, I'm a designer, I'm a stylist, I'm a mom, I'm a fashion lover. I'm all these things. So I said, when I was making new business cards, I said, what am I going to put in my card? Well, I'm a fashion activist. I woke up one day, I said, I want to make a difference. And I want to take everything I've learned from my plus 20 years in this business that can be quite evil and brutal and catty and not so nice. And when I started, there was no support. There was no social media. There was not anything. It was just me and a goal. And so today, with all these help from the outside world, I feel that I wanted more. I want to make a yeah. difference. I feel like someone has to speak up for what they think and what they believe and what they want. And so I felt, why not me? Because I have a strong opinion and I don't really care what people think about me because I know who I am. So I'm just going to stick with that. Have you always known who you are? Absolutely not. I was, I, it was 10 years of doubting myself in the business. And even if I was worthy as a stylist and I was going to show up to the job the next day and are people going to hate what I'm doing and having anxiety and just questioning and questioning myself to finally, you know, after some plus years, I said, okay, I haven't had an unhappy client. So I should probably just focus on being greater and giving up my fears. Do you think that's a uniquely woman thing? And I say this because I think, especially if you enter kind of the workforce, but especially if you have a child, you start to see little things. I mean, men just go for it. They speak up. You know, many studies show that a man will apply for a job or a promotion if he feels he fits like five out of 10 characteristics. A woman feels like she has to fit 12 out of 10 characteristics. We have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We have to over deliver. I well, mean, I definitely think being a mother changed yeah. a lot of my views on life because I felt that all of a sudden it wasn't about me. It was about my children's future. And if I don't make a difference, how am I going to inspire them to be better and stronger human beings? So with that, I think my life mission started there because I felt so much more. And I felt that what am I going to leave behind me? I need to leave behind me something that they could continue. And I feel like I'm fortunate to find out my passion and what I what I live for and what I love so early in my career and 
I never did anything else because this is what comes very natural mm. to me. And to have that blessing, I wanted, I want, I, I wanted more, you know, and I want, I want more for my kids. And I, I, I feel that the world that we're coming into with technology is ruling and we're less and less social and, and the younger generation barely knows how to have a conversation without texting each other. I felt that it was even more important to stand up and speak up and say what you think. But how do you walk that line as a social media phenomenon yourself? Because that's your job. And and my daughter says that to me. I mean, I'm always on Instagram or something because you have to stay in the game, stay relevant. So wouldn't they say, Mom, you're a well, hypocrite? I feel with Instagram and all of that, it's today's newspaper. Yeah. You know, you decide on the people that you follow and the information that you want. So it's really up to you on the information that you gather. And to me, I feel that people look up to what I do and what I have accomplished and the jobs that I've done. So I feel, again, a responsibility of encouraging people. I, I try to mix fashion and family and fun and, and words of wisdom to say, look, you could do it all. I mean, when I, when I was 30-something, I thought, oh, I can't work and have kids. That's not true. Of course you can. You just have to prioritize your life a little bit differently. And that's what I did. And I decided, I always thought, oh, I got to be, wait till I'm 40 because I got to work on my career and it's about me and da, da, da. Having kids actually made me a better and stronger human being. My kids don't care who I worked with or what I did. They care about me. And that's what's important. I feel like that helps you grow as a human being and, and exploring and seeing their development growing up. So that has made me a better artist, a stronger artist. And they inspire me in my work and my everyday and everything I do, I do for them. And that is a goal in life itself. I think it's really interesting that you said, basically, you felt like you had to choose career mm -hmm. or family. Because that's what you're taught. You're taught that as an American, I think, especially. Mm -hmm. And I had a child quite young and like a total idiot. I thought it would be really easy. My husband's 20 years older than me. We got married when I was 23. He wanted a child. I said, why not? It won't be that hard. My parents will help me. And I stayed home for a year and I tried to work from home, but it wasn't that easy. And I think it's really hard for a woman to say, yeah, I want to have kids, but I'm also ambitious. And yeah, have you kind like of like... a lot like of women, they get also... Some, some women get depressed when they have babies. I mean, it didn't happen to me. And I was lucky because I had two babies. So that saved some time in my career. Yeah. <laughs> I only yeah, had to be pregnant. Very lucky, I only actually. had to be pregnant once, <laughs> you know, so someone was looking out for me because I'm really busy. So um, I was really fortunate in that way where I decided that, you know, when it happened... I had, I had a choice and my choice was to go on tour with Madonna or be pregnant with twins. And I, I said to myself, some, some things only happen once. And, and at that time I decided that, you know what, if I'm so lucky I have two, I should just work on that because this is once in a lifetime. And, you know, I still works with Madonna, so it doesn't really make a difference. Um, but At the time where I decided, okay, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to be pregnant. I, I ate healthier than I ever did. I played reggae to my pregnant belly because I thought, 
I want chilled out kids. And I think my philosophy is if you're stressed out and if you're working, you're freaking out while you're pregnant, your kids are going to come out that way because you're, you know, from the day they're with you, that's what you're creating. So I ate organic food. I did yoga. I was probably more healthy than I've ever been in my whole life. But, you know, my kids came out healthy and happy. And I think that has a lot to do with the, the reflection of the rest of their life. You know, so th- these are the decisions you take and, you know, you, you take your maternity time, whatever you need, but your kids will also decide when it's time for you to go back to work. And that happened for me after four months, they were sort of ready and I was ready. And, and then you continue, you make it work. And I'm very strict with myself. You know, I take them to school every day. I, I'm home at 6.30 every day. I eat dinner with them. I bathe them. I put them to bed. And that's my routine. So between 6.30 and 8.30, no phone calls, no nothing, because that's my kids' time. And, you know, I value my weekends. And the time that I have with them, I give them 150%. Yeah, I'm not a stay-at-home mom where I spend every moment with them. But when I'm with them, I show them all my love and I give them everything that I have. And I think they see and appreciate that. And I also can see and feel that they can see that I'm happy when I'm working because I love what I do. And I think that comes a long way. Suppose if I wasn't working and I was deprived of doing what I love, I wouldn't be a, such a great mom because I would be unhappy. Do you ever feel with your Swedish friends here, because you, you're Swedish, you have a lot of Swedish friends, and you must have heard that you're not supposed to have help here. You're not supposed to have a nanny. You're supposed yes. to pick up from school. I mean, I had an experience where... Obviously, we were really busy. We had a lot of evening events. And I actually went to the school once and the daycare dean or principal said, how nice it is that you're finally here. We all thought your nanny was Aurora's mother. And I mean, no one would ever say that to me in America because we struggle so much more. We yeah. don't have maternity. We don't have these things. So you get help. Yeah, I, mean, I agree I think with you. I don't, I don't know why it's looked upon as, as a bad thing to get help. I mean, I have a full-time nanny or I wouldn't be able to accomplish the things that I came to do. Do you feel guilty I, I about it? Absolutely not. Because my kids know that I'm mom, that's the nanny, but when it matters and the, and when things really matter, I'm the person that matters and they know I love them to death. And, and, you know, yeah, being a mom in itself is a, is a job. Yeah. It's a big job. It's one of the biggest jobs I ever had. It's one of the biggest challenges, but my job as a mom is to inspire and make my kids want more. And by doing that, I have to want more and I have to do more so that they can grow up and make a difference themselves. Do you think Swedes are spoiled with their system here? I mean, in many ways, they have everything that American CEOs and politicians and media figures are fighting for, you know, equal pay, maternity leave. Do you think they take it for granted? I think they do take it for granted, but I also think it's making them lazy and it's making them not want to stand out and not make a ruckus and and change the game because you have everything. So why change it and it's work? Like if it ain't broken, why fix it? Um, I feel as a Swedish woman, it's my obligation to inspire the Swedish women to want more, try more, be bolder, be stronger. And, and I feel like I'm on my way. I'm, I'm getting feedback. And, and, you know, when you are an activist the way I am and people send you messages and love and all that stuff, it comes a long way. It keeps you going. I'm so happy 
you got into this because I think I mentioned, you know, when I was moving here with a young child, I was like, Sweden will be heaven. I'm putting her right in daycare. I'm going to meet all these super powerful women and they're going to teach me how to be really assertive. And then I encountered this Yante. I mean, this is why I call the show Stand Out. You know, in four years, I've met so many amazing women that I just am dying for them to stand out more. And even men and companies, Swedes do great things on the environment, on sustainability. Nobody knows about them. Mm -hmm. And so every question I've asked so far, it's always the red thread. How do you stand out? Mm -hmm. For you, you stand out all the time. Yeah, but that's not true because it, it even for me, you know, we all have our fears and, you know, scared of confrontation, all those things. And It's like when you're in the line in the grocery store and someone cuts in front of you and you just stand and go, Oh God, that person just cut in front of me. Well, I've, I, I've told myself, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put up with this bullshit anymore. Yeah. So it happened to me this summer and I said, Excuse me, you actually just cut in line in front of me. And then people sort of get taken back because some people are rude. And I've just told myself that I'm not gonna take the bullshit anymore. I'm gonna stand up for if it's the person cutting in front of me in line or if it's someone looking at me differently because they think I look differently or I go to school. I mean, yeah, I don't look like the other moms. Obviously not. And my kids you say, care? mom, you're so fancy. You're so yeah. fancy. Yeah. I'm yes. your fancy mom. Like get used to it. This is who I am. You know, I, yeah, I wear red lipstick, I have long black hair and, and this is, this is what I do, but I'm not going to change for anyone because I don't fit in with a crowd. I'm going to inspire the crowd to, you know, put on Put on something crazy, cut your hair, buy a hat, do something drastic that makes you feel alive. Because you know what? I feel more alive today, the way I look and the way I am, than when I was blonde, I looked like everybody else, and I had I didn't have a voice, I didn't have anything to say. I have more to say. We could sit here all day long. I have so much to say. And I'm so excited. I just turned 40 and it's the most liberating thing ever. I thought, oh God, when I'm 40, I'm old and I'm this old woman. You know what? My life just started. And I feel like I look better now than I did when I was 20 because I know who I am. And that's the difference. It's about finding out who you are, what you do and standing up for what you believe in. What did it take? Was it love? Was it trial and error and fucking up and falling down and getting up again? Was it your kids? Was it, it was everything? It. Was it a mentor? Was it, it Madonna? Was, no, it was it was all of the above. It was the failure. It was the heartache. It was it was the fear. It was it was. I mean, I don't know what really triggered me, but you know, meeting my husband Jonas Ackerlund, he he inspired me also to do more and say, you could do this. Because I feel the biggest problem that we have is the fear. The fear is our biggest enemy, the fear of failing, you know, and not trying and not diving in there. And I feel like every day now, you know what, I might not be successful overnight, but I tried, you know, and it's like Absolutely. A plus for trying. I think that's where age and wisdom comes in is that you're more willing to try. You're more willing to put yourself out there to where you're young. You, you're still trying to figure out who you are and you, it's hard to take the critique and it's hard to take. What are people going to think about do me? Do you think we want to be liked too much? Yes, we women? do. And I, and it's that, what are people going to think about me? But who cares what people think? I mean, people, people probably think, I don't know what they think about me, but in the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the people I love and the people that love me, 
they know, they know, they take me for what I am. And I'm not saying I'm easy. Nobody's easy. You know, it's relationships. That's a compromise. Everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky that, you know, my mother's been single for 35 years. She doesn't want to compromise. That's her decision, you know, but we're all, we all have our flaws and we're all have our good sides too. So these are the things in life we have to choose on who you want to make that dance with. <laughs> in Sweden, I've heard you want to be trevliga. Trevliga. Nice. Yes. And why is that? Why is that? You tell yeah. me why is that? Because I, you know, as an American, you're really not, you're not really taught to be nice because it's too competitive. And I think polite, as girls, we're always supposed to be nice. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you a funny story because this... I didn't really understand. I thought Sweden and the U.S. were similar. I lived in Denmark and Copenhagen. So I think like Swedes would be more like, you know, a little bit more similar to Danes and Danes are much more out there. And I came here and this story completely encapsulates. So my daughter is basically Swedish. She was two when we moved here. She went to doggies. She has all Swedish friends. She speaks fluent Swedish. And around when she was three or, three or four, I would just unconsciously say to her, not with no plan, you have to be the best. You know, you have your Lucia coming up. I want you to stand in the front. Be the best. You have your dancer. Be the best. You're, you are the best. And it took her a little while. And I remember she once came to me and she says, you know, mom, I was a little confused by that. So I asked my teacher in school. I asked my nanny who's Swedish. And they told me, You're not supposed to be the best. That's not nice. And no one is the best. And actually, if you want to be the best, how does that make number two feel? Does that mean you're a nice girl? Wow. And my head almost blew off. And I hadn't even realized how competitive, I guess, I but am. But that's you, Sweden, You just nailed it because I'm Swedish and I've lived in America for 26 years. And you just nailed it because in America, you are considered to not be somebody unless you put your f- feet forward and you st- spend, stand up and you speak up and you do all these things. And just what you said, my kids are super shy and they always were. And we were trying to get into different schools and things like that. They wanted to take them in the other room with the principal and interview them. I mean, they're three years old and they don't want to go with a strange person. Well, they didn't get into the school because they're not showing that they're strong and they can handle this. Well, is that what we measure success and who we are is if we are loud and we could do, and, and you're right, but in Sweden, you're supposed to just be good like everybody else. And, and that's sort of where I don't, dis- that where I disagree because I found a school system in America where it's like progressive learning. My kids go to school where you are taught to be the best that you can be, not the best over everybody else, but the best person that you could possibly be. And you are taught that if it takes you three years to l- read a book Oh, well, let's see what you're good at. If you're good at drawing, well, let's work on the drawing then. Or if you're a good athlete, let's let's move more towards that. And I just was so inspired to find a system where let's just work on us. Let's work on being a great human being. And by the time we finish sixth grade, that's when the academic really matters. And that's where your grades, you know, determine the future to go to college and where you're going to go. Because at that point, you've learned to be a good human being. And you, I think you get further by that, but then having good grades, because there's a lot of assholes with good grades. 
<gasps> and a lot of amazing people that drop out of high school, which yeah. I'm so happy that you said. Yeah. But you know, I want to because bra- you're judged. You're judged yeah. by your education. And, w- and you know, I had a passion, and it came very early for me. Clothes came to me very early. The interest of liking clothes was something. It was the most natural thing for me to ever. It was not. It was not. I never went to school. I never went to fashion school. I never learned. I never learned a day in my life. It was my passion, and it was my mission, and it was something that I burned for. It was something that gave me energy and 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 fun, and it was just fun. It wasn't work. It was fun. <laughs> Clothes reflect, I think, values in a way. Yeah. And you've talked a lot about. Swedish fashion and that Swedes are quite trendy and create their own local trends. And there's a lot of kind of emphasis on Scandi cool. And I think there's a bit of a buzz, but there's also Jantelagen. Do you think Swedish fashion is boring? I don't think it's boring. I think it's generally good looking. So if you walk down the street, I'm saying if you walk down the street, doesn't matter your age or anything, everyone looks good because everyone can afford H&M or one of these other brands. Everybody looks good. I feel like Swedes in general, they dress up when they go to a dinner, they make an effort. And I really appreciate that and love that. They, they, they know nice etiquette and they, they know how to be presentable. And I feel like that's a big flaw in America. People come in their cargo shorts and their mandals and go to the (laughs) opera, you know, like they can't even put on a suit to go out to an event or something like that. And, and I don't know the disconnect. I mean, it goes down to you drive the freeway in Sweden. People are polite. If you're in the fast lane, they move to the right. It's a known fact. Like sometimes I time myself, say how long till this person moves over? And they do. You drive a car in America, nobody moves. They just stay in that fast lane and they just keep driving slow like an asshole where they almost create commotions and and accidents. That's how accidents happen because everyone wants to pass this one selfish person that can't get out of the fast lane. And I think that's a really good example on how we're brought up different. And when it comes to style and and how Swedes dress, I always feel like I'm always proud to say I'm Swedish because we look good. We make good music. We're good at Mm. a lot of things, but God forbid if we stood out, I don't know where it comes from. I really don't know why we're taught to, to blend in. And, you know, as a teenager, it was even worse. It was like the one thing that everyone had to have, you all had to have it. And it still amazes me. Why does every three and four-year-old girl in the world have to wear a princess dress? <laughs> I mean, I don't say, oh, here, you have to be a princess, but it's, it's insane. You, it's like, it's like a plague. It just like, it hits every kid on the planet. And it's just, it's, I don't know if it's evil or good or what it is, but Again, I, the kids went to school in preschool in America where no superheroes, no Disney, nothing was allowed. And I was like, oh God, what are we going to do with our princess panties <laughs> <laughs> or all these things? But after two years going to that school, it was really refreshing because it was like, oh no, we don't buy anything with logos. Like, you know, we were supposed to have these parties where my kids wanted to have a Barbie disco party. And it, it was buying into the system of buying and throwing out buying and throwing yeah, out. consumption. Exactly. And and all of a sudden, we didn't have to do that. We could just have a disco party and not brand it. But how do you battle that? You are from that industry. I, I mean, I've done some things on sustainable fashion this week, and it's really hard to 
find the right angle when you're from that generation, you're from that industry that people see as evil in that way. I buy into it too. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a hypocrite and, oh, I'm perfect and I don't do any of that. But it reminds me that sometimes I could do it better. If I'm somewhere and I'm choosing, should I get the branded thing or the good thing that just don't have stuff all over it? We could always question ourselves and, and, and think twice before we make the decisions. What local trends are you seeing in Sweden that you would like to see export in the U.S.? We've, we've made fun, both of us, a little bit of Yanta and some of these things. But on the same side, you know, sustainability, the calm kind of polite way that people act, the way you raise kids, you know, what, what do you wish to bring back to L.A.? Well, the one thing I would say is the politeness I think is you come a really long way. We're brought up to be nice to people and then people are nice to you. That doesn't exist in America. And I think that's why we're not so religious because we don't really need religion to remind ourselves to be nice to our neighbors because we're just brought up that way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And and how you can, you know, go to the countryside and you can buy vegetables down on the side of the road and there's not even someone working there. You just put your money and you take your vegetables. Now that would never work. Or how you can pump gas in your car at the gas station, you pay after you do it. That doesn't exist in America. And why mm. does that not work? Why does that work for our entire country, but it doesn't work for a nation? That it's, it's an interesting thing that I think about sometimes. And maybe is that what it takes for, for you not to be competitive? Is you have to be like everyone else to be nice? I mean, is that it? Or is there a way to think bigger, do stronger and do better, but still be a nice person? I mean, does the one thing reflect the other? I don't know. I think you've, touch on something totally amazing and something that I really, just after moving back for two months, miss because my daughter was raised here and I'm so thankful for that. There's trust in Sweden. Yes. People basically trust the government. They trust the services. They basically trust each other. You know, um, I, I meet a lot of business people and CEOs that come in and out of venture capitalists and your word means something, like a handshake means something in Sweden. And... I wonder, you know, do you ever think, should I raise my kids in Stockholm? L.A. has to be the worst of America in that way. I mean, I try to raise my kids in a Swedish tradition. We eat Swedish food. Do you? We read Swedish books. I I mean, I travel with suitcases of books because I don't want them to forget where they come from. And even, you know reading Swedish children's books is amazing. It's so liberal. We talk about how we're conceived and we're very open about it. And when you look at the at the age on the books, I mean, I'm in the midst of writing a children's book. So I've done a lot of research cool. and my book is being published in America. And I'm constantly fighting with, you can't, you can't show this because Barnes and Nobles aren't going to sell your book or you can't talk about that because that's not okay. Like and what? I, Give me well, an example. I want, I want to talk about death. I want to talk yeah. about love. I want to talk about pre how about, you know, how babies are born. I want to talk about how it goes down because <laughs> I have over six Swedish children's books where we talk in detail on how it happens and we're not shy about it. And these are our boobs and this is our private parts and this is that and this is, and no one's ashamed about it. And it's amazing how a country and how we are so, we don't want to stick out and we want to be the same, but yet we could talk about sex so openly without blink of an eye. 
and how that is not embarrassing. And, and that is, we can run around naked, we can swim naked, we can do all these things naked. We are comfortable with that, but we're not comfortable with standing out in the crowd when it comes to fashion and things like that. And it's it's a really interesting, it's, you know. It is. I've, it's such a it's paradox. Diff- yeah. It's a really, it's an amazing paradox. And if, that's why I'm, I feel very fortunate to be American and Swedish because I could take the best from mm. both sides and make the best out of it. And that that is something that I value a lot living in America is keeping these Swedish traditions, having a Swedish nanny, you know, Köttbullar och makaroner. Ja, the first thing I do when I come home, I want to eat falukorv. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite sauce. It's really ghetto, but you know what? It reminds me of my childhood and it's a comfort zone. And it's something that brings me back to a safe place. My childhood growing up in Sweden made me feel safe. And I think back about it. It's safe. It's, it's a safe thing. So, you know, there's pros and cons to all of it. It's 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 what you do with it. What about gender roles? And you have two girls. And I think I probably took for granted living in Sweden because now that we're back, I see my daughter and she's six. She'll say, you know, we were watching, I think it was even Frozen, which is supposed to be kind of a progressive movie. And there's a song in it that says, you know, I have the power of 10,000 men. And she says, mom, why is it men? Or she'll often question, you know, why doesn't dad cook in the kitchen on the weekends? And I think that's Sweden. That is what Sweden has taught her. And in U.S., we're much more conservative. Do you feel that or? Well, I mean, this is the importance of of the mission that I think you and me as moms and women are on. And even again, like I said, I did a lot of research doing this children's book and it's always the prince saving the princess. It's never, why is the princess never saving the prince? Why is that? Why are so I think from an early age we are we are brainwashed that we need men to make us strong. We need men to be happy. We need men to support us. We need men to do all these things. It's not true. We as women can be equally as strong if we have a voice and opinion. And men are great and they can make us stronger and they could support us on our mission, but we don't need them to stand up and speak out. That's the difference. And I feel that that starts early with, I mean, that's probably the reason why the school that we went to didn't promote superheroes and and Disney princesses. Because if you look at it, every single Disney princess is waiting to be saved by a man or kissed by the prince or, you know, none of them are just strong on their own. So we're like subconsciously taught from an early age that this is what we're all, we're all waiting to marry that prince, the perfect prince that's going to take care of us. And life isn't that perfect. It's not. And to find that perfect prince is, you know, easier said than done. I'm so glad you said this. And this is kind of part of the reason I became really passionate about entrepreneurship. And you and I were both part of this creative symposium that was put on by Spotify and Ash Pornori on showing Stockholm as a creative capital with a lot of startups. The one thing missing is with all the gender equality, all the women in the workforce in Sweden, some of the highest numbers, very, very few women build an empire with their own two hands, Mm -hmm. build their own businesses. You have, and you are, what advice would you give these Swedish women to kind of take their own destinies a little I mean, bit it, by the horns. It's intimidating. Yeah. I mean, I've walked into board meetings where 
How do you do and it? My, and my women are, that's part of my clan, are the only women in the room. And I was like, oh, it's so surprising and so nice to see women in the room. Why is that? So <laughs> I'm fighting more. Why, why is But why, are you intimidated? You don't no seem way. like you are. Yeah. No way. It makes me want to fight more. I'm going to succeed. And then the men try to push you down because they feel like this is a man's world. And you don't know about business and you don't know this and you don't know that. It makes me fight stronger. It makes me want to succeed more. It makes me want to show those say it (laughs) motherfuckers that women we could do it too and that business it's for all of us it it, it's not decided by what sex we are and i mean again i think their sweden has gone to another level where they have invented their own word hen there's a word that they've created that is not his or hers because it's supposed to be everybody's and we're not supposed to you know yeah, this separate is like a female. It's a, a shooter, but it's in our dictionary, and it's been like voted into yeah. the dictionary that we are all it. We're not a woman. We're not a man, and we're not supposed to point it out that way. You know, B. I'm so happy you joined me because, unlike some of the other women, I don't have to ask you how do you stand out, but I will ask you how do you now stand up. And how do you continue? What's your plan for standing up for yourself, for your kids, for fashion? When I mean, you fall, I, we, all, we all have obstacles, and you know, trust me, standing up is hard because people just want to kick you down. Because standing up takes guts, and standing up is not easy because you're going to make enemies, and people are going to think you're a pain in the ass. Uh, but every time I get kicked down, I want to stand ten feet taller. And I remind myself on what is it I'm doing. And like I said before, when you get love and support in what you're doing, it wants, it wants to keep you going. And I feel like if I, if I stand down and I can't take the fight, then how am I supposed to inspire a generation to stand up for themselves that I feel like a liar? So the more I get screwed over, the more people are out to get me, the more people try to take what is mine without lifting a finger the more I fight and the more I believe. And the more I fight and believe, the right people end up coming my way. And as many times I've been kicked down, which I have a lot, trust me. And yeah, I have days where I question, should I keep going? And I have days where I don't feel like I was a good mom, or I have days where I feel like I could have been better at something. But, you know, I just pick myself back up and I just keep going because I'm on a mission and nobody can stop me. B, you're awesome. I am there with you. I'm joining your movement. <laughs> yeah, so I, you I, can't keep no, me down I mean, either. <laughs> you know, I have a Polish mother and So do I. Y- you do? <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah. And oh my I feel God. like maybe that's the fire in me. Polish mothers are in fucking yeah, insane. Mine you know, is that's where, no, but that's where it comes in from. In a good way. You yeah. have to be the best. You are taught to be the best. I can't you're believe not that we on. haven't discovered this well, before. I know. I, this is where I think where it comes I in. I knew because, it. Karma. Yeah, because just being Swedish and, and, and American, I think you're missing the firecracker. And the firecracker is the Slavic. The fi- it's the blood in me. I'm and, raising my hands out in the air because yes, I'm so happy. But that's the part of me where <gasps> totally. some people say, you're too loud, you're too this, you're too that. I'm sorry. 
My mother, it's part, it's, I can't. Absolutely. And people tell me even in business that like, you can't talk to your employees like that. You just, you know what? This is how I talk. I'm sorry. You haven't talked to my mother and you would know why. Because I'm a mild version of my mom. I have to meet her. Does she live in Sweden? No, she lives in France. One day I'll meet her. Yes. Yes. I mean, <gasps> I've talked about her before and people are always curious about her, but I would be nothing without my yeah, mother. Yeah, me too. My mother is everything. She, she... She kicked my ass. She said, "You, you know, too. you you make it, or like you're not coming home." Yeah, it's like you have. That's it. So, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do for my children. I, I've been inspired by some friends of mine, and I, I think the, the biggest thing you could do for your children is, you got to be really strict, but you could give them a lot of love. Mm. And there's a fine line there. And without boundaries and about rules and these things, kids need rules. Or they're just, they're, they don't feel good. I mean, you can tell the second you let go of all these things, they don't have anything to prove or live up to. And when you give them rules, instead of threatening somebody and saying, if you don't do this, you're not going to do this, you change it around to a positive and you say, if you do this, it'll be great for us to do this. And you give a positive, you try to be more positive than negative. And I think it goes way further. But if you say no, you got to stick to it. Like when I say no, I mean, sometimes I want to change my mind, but I'm stubborn as hell and I'm a Taurus and I just don't bow down. Like no is no. You are fantastic. Cinque Barzo. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think this is just the new beginning for us. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Great. Thanks for having Here me. with B. Thank you. This podcast is a collaboration with Doggins Industry and ACAST. Produced by Henrik Janssen and ACAST. With Sandra Moline as supervising producer and Carl Rosander as executive producer. <laughs>